1: be satisfied by faith. But after that, faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise.
0: I want those promises. Amen. So we're going to deal with that just a little bit. I want you to know that there is covenants here and promises that are given to us by God. And it talks about us not be, no longer being under the schoolmaster or the training of the law but now we have the law in our hearts let's pray together as we talk about building god's house one more time today and then next week we'll talk about mom building the house in the following week if you're able to be with us brother nate Frommstein is going to be preaching the pattern returning to the pattern the original pattern let's pray together jesus we need your word to go forward into our hearts it needs to be sown like seed so that it can bring forth fruit and would you help us to in- comprehend and to take in the word in Jesus name everyone said amen you may be seated in the house of the Lord God bless you anybody remember being in detention when you were in school how many hated detention how many let's see how many people were in detention all the time Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a few of you, troublemakers, yeah. Well, funny thing is, sometimes it wasn't us making the trouble, sometimes it was somebody else making the trouble, and we got blamed for it. Anybody been there? Well, detention always happened, but detention had a a beautiful sound when the bell rang, amen? Because when the bell rang, you were out of there. it it doesn't even have to be detention anybody remember the last class you were in in high school at the end of the day and you were just waiting for that bell to ring and it was like five minutes before and it seemed like the last five minutes of class lasted for an hour anybody remember that? And when the bell rang, you were set free. And it didn't matter where the teacher was at, you closed the books and you walked out because you were gone, you were free. You were ready for the weekend. Whatever was coming next, you were free to go do that. This is what this scripture is talking about. It's saying that we were no longer under the schoolmaster, that Christ himself was our liberator. We don't use the word liberator that much in America because we don't often need to be liberated, but our soul does, amen, from sin. And we need to be set free from things that come into our life, that keep us separated from God. And Jesus Christ was that liberator. When he died on the cross for us, he set us free. Amen, somebody? So because he set us free, we're no longer in detention. He rang the devil's bell hello somebody and set us free and i'm glad about it because the bible says he that the son is set free is free indeed in other words it doesn't just say he's free he's free and then indeed just to kind of put an emphasis on it it's like it's like if you spend time with somebody and you see them going through a struggle and then you 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 don't spend time with them lately but then you see them and they they've already they've recovered from that thing and they're like a whole other person their personality changes and their person in their, pers- in their priorities priorities have changed and they they seem more put together and they have their life on track again and you're like, man, it's so good to see you not being bound by the things you used to be bound by, but now look at you, you're free of all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had a friend who was addicted to anything and, and they came out of it, you actually see them in a state where they're better and you're like, I'm so happy for you that you got free of that thing because you had so much better of a life to live than you had living addicted or stuck or bound or in the complications of what was going on in your in your crisis and god had a liberation for you and i'm grateful to see it not only in your life but in the life of others we see it take place and the beautiful thing is when you're set free god does something awesome for you he shows that he shows others your freedom amen So we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant today and then the presence of the Ark of the Covenant there was a place in which you could open the Ark and put things inside the Ark and God had Moses the man of God put some things inside the Ark that represented uh, points in the history of the people of Israel where God was dealing with them. We've had furniture up here quite a bit for several weeks and Brother Reese is going to read to us the description of the Ark of the Covenant that we have set before us here and the things that were inside of it and I do have a picture of the Ark of the Covenant and the things that were inside, if they can throw that up there, I would like to show you exactly what that looks like. But in the in the Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. There was the rod that budded, there was a pot of manna, and there was also the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses on a mountain called Sinai. So Sinai was the place where they got these things, but every time God talked to the people, and every time he wanted to be in their midst, he set up a pattern for the ability. Of him for his ability to be in their midst. He wanted them to do certain things that brought his presence. Amen. So, this thing in front of me is called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Do we not have that picture? Okay, All right. no worries. I sent it over this morning. I'm going to start sending them over earlier. I promise you that. That's my fault. So, the Ark of the Covenant was a very special place because of what it meant to the people of God. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone say the Ark of the Covenant. Covenant. It's where God's presence laid in the tabernacle. So, we... We know that it's not called the Ark of His Presence, even though His presence was there. Because God knows and God wanted to teach His people that a covenant is what brings my presence. Hello, somebody. So we have to understand that we're not to just pursue God's presence, but we're also supposed to pursue the covenant that God has with us amen because when we get in covenant with God his presence automatically comes to that place and where his presence is there is power and there is authority so nothing in God's presence can stand everything must bow to his power and his authority how many have things that need to bow to God amen How many have ever had something in your life that you just wish would lay down and stop fighting you and stop giving you struggle and stop giving you difficulty? Funny thing, in God's presence, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Christ is Lord. So if we can just get his presence here, God can do more in five minutes than we can do in five years. Even no matter how great a sermon we can prepare or how great a song we can prepare, if God would show up in this place, he could change our life, he could change the way we think. He could change the way we live for him and the way we act and function. And we can leave here feeling energized and on fire. Depression cannot stand in the presence of God. Addictions cannot stand in the presence of God. All kinds of healing needs and in cancer and and, uh, sickle cell anemia and anything you want to name it doesn't matter what it is anything named has to bow in the presence of almighty God And when we start to learn that, we realize that God was teaching the people of Israel that if you want my presence, seek after my covenant. If you get into relationship with me, then there is nothing that can keep me from coming and being near to you and close to you. And I will be your God and you will be my people. And there's nothing like that kind of relationship. You can't find that relationship in a man. You can't find that relationship in a woman. You can't find a relationship in another human being that will match in the kind of trust that you can have in God's presence. You will never match that in anything in this life. You need God in your life, amen? And God was using the ark as a visible representation of an invisible God. We have to understand that because they had always served visible gods when they were living in egypt egypt is a type of the of the world when the children of israel were taken into egypt because they were in a famine and joseph had gone before them and joseph was set up as a prime minister and he was he had food in egypt god had spoke to him given him dreams he had established some processes off of those dreams he had uh, built up a storehouse of food for the years of famine and now all of joseph's brothers moved into egypt they moved everyone there and god began to multiply them and Most believe that the pyramids that were built in Egypt were built on the backs of the children of Israel. There are no scriptures that say that, but it was obvious that they were building brick and mortar. There was something going on that they were building brick, so we believe that those things were built upon by the children of Israel. But when God decided to deliver the people, he brought them out, not just to bring them out, but to bring them to himself. Amen? So we have to understand that the presence of God is the primary thing that must be a focus in our life, because God just doesn't want to bring you out of whatever he brings you out of he wants to bring you near to him in fact he's only bringing you out so he can bring you close to him amen so we must realize that not only does God touch us and draw us out but he wants to draw us nearer to him and then we have to also know that after 400 years we we review just a little bit of the children of Israel being in Egypt working under Pharaoh as they were slaves to Pharaoh and they had put them as, as their workforce, that they literally had nothing as far as a reference point to God. So God began to use the ark of the tabernacle in the tabernacle and the different furniture in the tabernacle to teach them again anew after many generations what God likes. How many know we should give God what he likes? So if we learn what God likes, we can oftentimes feel God's presence and sense where God is moving because we know what he likes. And so what they knew was the gods of Egypt. The gods of Egypt were built of wood and stone and different things, fashioned by man's hands. Anything built by man's hands, you should not worship. Amen? If it's built by man's hands, it will fail you. But if it's built by God, it will never fail. So we have to understand that whenever they got into a place where they were constructing the tabernacle, God gave specific instructions, specific patterns, and then he came with his presence. And so they understood God by this furniture, and slowly, as they learned more about God and more revelation was given, they realized that God was with them and walked with them. And the thing that made most of an impact on the people that watched the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt Egypt and began to serve God in the wilderness was they realized that they were a people of an invisible God. Someone say an invisible God. You have to understand that an invisible God will always give a visible representation of himself. So this is what he was doing. Building furniture in a tabernacle was not his end game. This was the beginning. This was him teaching them about himself. But when it got to the point that he wanted to show up, he began as an invisible God making visible representations of himself until they could understand him fully. So the people that knew of the children of Israel they were ones that worshiped idols of stone and wood and different things things that they could visibly touch and see even the Philistines in the in the new in the old testament had gods that they worshiped they had like you know as form a form of god you see that even today with statues of buddha and you see different statues that people worship because that is a representation the visible representation of their God and God is an invisible God so the people of Israel became known by certain articles that were in the tabernacle so we have to read about what this article is all about and Reese is going to help us with that if you'd read is Exodus 25 1 through 22 for me real quick and I may stop you throughout the process Speak unto the children
1: of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering.
0: Okay, what God is saying here is he's telling Moses, he's saying, Have everybody bring an offering, and we're gonna build this tabernacle, and this is the place where I'm going to dwell, where God's going to dwell. Go ahead.
1: And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood oil for the light spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them make a sanctuary that
0: I may dwell among them okay hold on just a second he said let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them this is very key for us to understand because we have to understand that God's not interested in being just in this building he's interested in being in us Amen. So when he makes us his tabernacle, we talk about that in the scriptures in the New Testament. So there's an Old Testament, obviously, and there's a New Testament. A lot of people try to apply the New Testament to us and forget about the Old Testament. The fact is the Old Testament shows us everything that we're supposed to know about what we're supposed to be in the New Testament. So when you read some of these scriptures, you have to understand what they had happening physically, literally happening physically, things that they could touch, that happens to us spiritually. Okay, That happens in our heart and in our minds and in our lives. So what he's reading about is the fact that God desired for them to bring an offering. So he gives them stuff. He gives them favor with the, the, the Egyptians. And they take on all of these things. And they walk out of Egypt with all of these, um, all of these blessings. And then he asks them to bring them and give them. So he provides what they need to bring for the tabernacle to be built. So God will always provide to you what you need to give him in order that your tabernacle is built amen okay so that's what we have to understand number one is god's a provider he's provisional okay he's always going to give you what you need in order to give your life to god and so then he also wants to dwell with us and that's important go ahead and read on
1: continuing verse nine according to all that i show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments
0: thereof even so shall ye make it Notice that there's a pattern that he gave Moses. If we do the pattern of God, we'll have the presence of God. That's what he's saying. I want you to do this a certain way, and if we come to God the way He wants us to, we will have God's Spirit dwell in our life. Amen. We'll get filled with the Holy Ghost if we come the way He wants us to. But if we choose to come on our own way, God might say, "Yeah, that's nice. You you've built a nice church there, but I'm not interested in dwelling in just churches. I want to dwell in people." And we'll get to we'll get to more of that. Go ahead.
1: And they shall make an ark of Shittim wood, two cubits and a half, shall be the length thereof. Okay. And, yep, go ahead. And a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof.
0: Okay, now we're talking about this thing right here. Everyone say ark. Okay, so there's three arcs in the Bible. Does anybody know what the other arks are? Somebody help me. There's Noah's ark. Yep, we got one. Noah's ark. Anybody remember another ark? It's a real small ark, a little baby in it. Moses was put into a little ark, amen? So we have, and it's actually referenced the Ark of the Covenant here. So we have three different arks. We have to understand that there's different things uh, written about the way that the ark is constructed. Go on, and I'm going to jump back to that in just a second.
1: Okay. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it.
0: Okay, now right here, look at this, within and without. This is a very strong example of what God does for us. Okay, every time you see an ark in the scripture, there's always something that God does. He sets a pattern up. He has them pitch it within and pitch it without, okay? When you look at Noah's ark, when Noah, when God was going to judge the people because they were wicked, God chose to have Noah build an ark, okay? And he judged by water. Now what we understand with that is that God gave the instructions but Noah had to build the ark, amen? Sometimes God gives us the instructions but requires us to do obedience to save us. But the Bible says that because of Noah's obedience, he saved himself and his whole family. You don't just save yourself when you obey God. You don't just change your life when you obey God. You can save an entire family. Amen? So you have to understand that your life is not clustered to itself. Every decision you make and everything you do affects other people. I know people that have said, well, it won't matter if I, you know, if I snuff myself out. I've had people that have been so dark and in deep depression. They're like, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about me. It wouldn't matter if I took my own life. And I know people that were in that situation and I tell them, you have no idea the number of people that you would impact by doing something like that. You have no idea what it would do to to your family members and your friends and it would change their story and they would forever have a brother or sister that they lost you have to understand that you're not by yourself every decision that you make affects somebody it changes somebody and your story is somebody else's story as well so you have to realize that when we obey God it affects others, amen? So he says you have, to do it, you have to cover it with gold within and without. And it said it's made of shittim wood. Now, shittim wood is a different kind of wood in scripture. It's actually um, also known as acacia wood. Anybody ever heard of acacia wood? Acacia wood is a type of wood that was the wood that they used to build the Ark of the Covenant. But acacia wood had a special gum. It was a sap that came from acacia. And that acacia sap or that gum had medicinal purposes. It was able to heal the human body. So if you understand what God is trying to communicate, he's... Jesus Christ was the type or representation of the wood that was made of the Ark of the Covenant the gold that was overlaid within and without is like the spirit of God or the divine divinity of God so Jesus was the wood the overlaying was the divine God, God's divine presence overlaying it so what they have is in every little piece of the construction of the Ark of the Covenant they have a representation of what God was doing all throughout time so this Ark was built a certain way to represent in God. Now when Noah built the ark, he pitched it within and without with sap so that water couldn't get in, so that they were saved in the flood. When Moses' mother decided to put him in the reeds in the um, Euphrates River, or it was the Euphrates, right? The Nile River, yes. When he put him in the Nile River, I always look over here because I know she'll have the, she has the memory to help me. Um, When he put him in the... When Moses was put in the Nile, he was put in a basket that was pitched within and without. Whenever the gold in this thing is, is covering within and without, it's saying that Jesus' humanity was actually God's divinity wrapped in a body. Uh, the body was wrapped by divinity and came for us. Amen? So it shows us that in Jesus is our healing. He was the medicinal purpose to our soul. So he helps us be saved. Amen? Anybody following what I'm saying? I need to sp- explain that more. I just want to say that the representation of within and without is not only just the Ark of the Covenant and the different representations of the Ark throughout the Scripture, but it represents the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God does for our, our, our tabernacle. This right here. We're, we actually, with the Holy Spirit in us, we become the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit is represented by the Ark of the Covenant. God puts His Ark of the Covenant inside us when we get filled with God's Spirit. So what we have to understand is that we are like that, that, whenever the spirit comes God wraps us within and without in other words he seals us and I know there's a lot more if you want to go on to the next scripture that I have that says sealed I want you to read that there's a lot more to this I just don't have time to get to it but just know this that whenever you get full of the Holy Ghost God not only protects you from the inside but he protects you from the outside amen that's what God does for you and it's a spiritual thing not just a physical thing you're protected from the spiritual world not just the physical world and read for me the seal I I just gave you a couple scriptures There. Ephesians 1 and 13. In whom
1: ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit
0: of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The sealing that you see in the Ark of the Covenant is the same thing that the Holy Scripture tells us is a component of the Holy Ghost. That the Holy Ghost seals us. Find the next one for me real fast. The Holy Ghost seals us and protects us. How many have been protected by God's Spirit? Um, One thing that you need to know about when you receive the Holy Spirit, that God is holy. Therefore, He requires for us to be holy. And anytime God sets down on anything and brings His presence, He changes it from the inside out. It's a fact that whenever God gets in your heart, He starts to change you all the way through. He affects everything in your life. And so whenever we deal with this Spirit of God sealing us, it talks about this. Go ahead and read that.
1: Who hath also sealed us and
0: given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He's given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts to seal us. How many love that God protects you? Amen. So there's, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, you have to realize that there is a protection that takes place. And in that protection there are sometimes when you begin to walk with god a a long time god begins to speak to you very very real and very emphatically in your thoughts and i've been trying to do this for a long time i call it spiritual intuition my wife has woman's intuition (laughs) and sometimes she'll tell me things like you don't need to do that you don't need to go there you don't need to be involved with that and i'm like why and later on i'll find out there's wisdom that she had an intuition that i couldn't see and i'm grateful for it amen so guys, don't fight women's intuition. It's it's a great thing. But just as women have some win, women's intuition because they are more, maybe even uh, more spiritually attuned because of being more on the emotional side, there's a lot to that right brain, left brain stuff. But there's a larger membrane between the right and left brain for women than there is for men. That's why men are a lot more compartmentalized. We're like fishing. When we're fishing, don't bother me. I want to be fishing. <laughs> don't be calling my cell phone. I'm fishing. We're in our fishing compartment. If we're playing basketball, we're in our basketball compartment. Amen? We don't want mom and dad calling us and telling us we got to do chores because we're playing basketball. Guys are very compartmentalized. Women have 10 different things going all at the same time in their mind because they have a larger membrane and things cross back and forth. Therefore, women are more ocean- are more open emotionally and spiritually. Women can sense things more in- so that's why women have women's intuition. And guys are often stuck in a compartment like fix the car. <laughs> fix the car. That's what I'm doing today. I'm not doing anything else. And guys will be working and they'll be starving, but they're working on the car. And you'll come out like, would you like a sandwich? No, I'm busy. Are you hungry? Yeah. Well, would you like a sandwich? No, I'm fixing the car. You know, we kind of do that as guys. But what I found out about spiritual intuition is that God's Holy Spirit will actually give you an ability to hear from him and a warning and a caution and seal you and protect you before things happen. So I had that happen to me this week, actually, and it's happened quite a few times in my life. Um, I don't mean to talk about myself too much, but I just need to tell you the story so that you understand. I've been full of the Holy Ghost for quite a long time. Uh, I am raised in the church. I had, I had uh, a grandfather that was a pastor. It jumped over my dad. And so I've been in the church a long time. That means that my family has more issues than yours. <laughs> so that's all that means. Um, so I have a lot more reason to pray. But last week... I was praying for some of you and a friend of mine on Sunday night, I just began to pray and God told me um, in a thought, just came to me in a thought and said, you need to pray for this person because they're going to have some struggles this week. And so I was like, okay, God, why would you even tell me that? Because it's not like I can go and tell them, hey, praise the Lord, I was praying for you and God said, it's going to be a lame week for you. (laughs) It's going to be a horrible week. Praise God. God bless you now. Come on back to church next Sunday. You can't tell people that. So I was like, God, why would you even tell me this? I mean, I, I'll, and he said, I felt he impressed me. I, I'll say he said, but it's usually thought. He said, because I know you're going to pray for them. I know you're going to pray for them. Look at how loving God is, that he'll tell somebody who you're loosely connected to. I'm not even close to this person. I'm loosely connected to them. He'll tell me to pray for them because he loves them that much. That's how much God loves you. He'll have somebody that would even be a stranger to you but knows your your situation, sees it on Facebook and starts praying, or sees it on Twitter, wherever else you guys hang out, I don't know, whatever. But he'll see things. People can see things, and you can see things. And so I I began to pray, and uh, I didn't know what was going on, and I set an appointment that week, and this person would be at that appointment. And I called in, and the appointment wasn't able to be set because there was an emergency in the family. I was like, oh, Lord, what what is it? What what happened? And then so later on that day, I got word that they had problems with their, their dog. Well, I was like, okay, God, you had me pray because their dog would need to go to the vet. I don't know. That doesn't seem even right. But later in that week, one of her best friends committed suicide. And not only committed suicide, but took out his three and his five-year-old and then killed himself and left a mom without her children and the weight of that and the crushing the the decision of someone to do that and there was history of PTSD and, and there was all kinds of stuff that I can't even put my head around but as a pastor I'll tell you this God knew that my friend would lose their friend that week and God told me to pray for them do you see how much God loves you That when His Spirit starts to speak within us, nothing can keep God from changing your life if you trust Him with your life. He'll send people to pray for you before it even happens. Because he knows what we go through. And people come. People are born and people die. And there's good and there's bad. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Meaning that there's blessings and there's goodness. And there's bad and there's worse that falls on all of us. But the good thing is we don't walk through life without our God. The good thing is he decided to be inside of us. That he decided to tabernacle, dwell with us. To tabernacle among men. And that if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost because you need God to dwell with you every single day. Every single day, walking with you and giving you spiritual intuition saying, hey, you don't need that relationship anymore. Hey, you know, watch out there. That's, that's not necessarily going to be good for you. Have you ever walked into a room and felt like you weren't welcome? <laughs> Just walked in and like... Okay, All right. we're just going to go walk right back. That, that same thing can happen to you when you have the Ark of the Covenant living inside of you. When you have God with you, he starts to speak to you and tells you to do things that you would not know how to put. He makes appointments for you that you couldn't make yourself, is what I'm saying. The Spirit of God begins to work. So, where are we at? Alright, Jeremiah 31, 33 so we talk about let's talk about the different things that are in the ark you guys okay talk about the different things that are in the ark real quick the first thing that was in the ark was the law of moses and so moses broke the first 10 commandments by throwing them down so moses goes up on mount sinai there's smoke and there's fire and god says don't let anything touch the mountain because anything that i rest upon becomes holy and if you're unholy and you touch it you'll die You know, the Bible says that no man can be in God's presence, obviously, because flesh cannot handle the raw power of God. So Moses, you know, they're proud of their pastor. He goes walking right up the mountain to meet with God. And they're like, go Moses. And they're all supporting. But then Moses is up there too long. And they're like, well... He's surely dead. Look at the lightning. Look at the... Well, God always shows up with smoke and fire, just so you know. So there's smoke and fire. It's in Exodus. Oh, hey, look, you found the picture. Wonderful. So there's different things in the Ark of the Covenant. So God shows up with smoke and fire on the mountain to say, I'm starting a new covenant. They all realize he's been up there way too long. God's probably killed him. I mean, you can't be in that kind of stuff and survive it. So they decide, okay, what do we do? They go back to what they're familiar with. Okay, That's why you can't just go and mess around with the world, young people. You can't go and just sneak around and get yourself into sin and different things like that. You can't become familiar with sin. Because when you get into a difficult spot or when life gets hard, you always go back to what you're familiar with. Well, that's good preaching anyways. You do. And so if you get familiar with going clubbing and you get familiar with having relationships and you get familiar with different things that are sins according to God, guess what happens? When you get into a spot in life and when you get into a difficulty, you run back to what you knew before. So the people of Israel that were supposed to be becoming God's people all of a sudden started building a golden calf because they knew that hey, back in Egypt when they needed a God they built their God instead of and a lot of people bash the children of Israel for taking all the stuff and starting to build a, a, a cow or a calf after the the pattern of of the gods of Egypt but we have to realize that when God was not manifesting himself through his man they realized that okay well maybe we need to do it like Egypt did it because they seem to be blessed and they built a calf that they could worship and when Moses comes down the mountain all of a sudden they're having this big worship service to this calf and Moses throws down the Ten Commandments that God gave him and broke them. He broke the law before he even delivered the law. <laughs> I mean, look how mad. This, this is not going to be good for us. So you can see the Ten Commandments were put into the Ark of the Covenant. So there's, there's a bunch of things in this covenant that represent different things. The second thing that was in the covenant I don't know what Jeremiah something says. I probably remember it from studying. But the second thing that was in the covenant was the pot of manna. Oh, yeah. That's a nice pot of manna. You know, I worked hard on this today. So what would happen was they needed food. And so God would send down bread a manna, as it was called. They called it manna, which means what is this? I don't even know. That's what manna means. What is this? And so they, would ha- they had a pot of manna, and what would happen was it would come down as the dew in the morning. When the dew of the- on the ground came up, the manna would come down, and it would feed them. But it would melt in the heat of the day. So they were supposed to get new bread every day, and it was a, tip- it was a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ being our daily bread okay? So we were supposed to go to him every single day, and and if they tried to keep it overnight, it would spoil. But when they put the pot of manna, when they took manna and put it in a pot and put it inside the Ark of the Covenant, it didn't spoil, okay? So this was one of the, this was the pot of manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant. And then the other thing that they had in the Covenant was they had Aaron's rod that budded. Now we have angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant. I'll get to that in just a minute. Yes, hand me that. We're not going to read through the references on this, Um because I'm running out of time, so and I'm making a long lesson into a short lesson. So notice my lovely rod. Yes, yes, yes. This is this is good work right here. I I had to. So okay. In numbers 17, can you read number 17 so I can they can figure out what what's going on. It's a reference there. Number 17, one through 11. So Aaron had a rod that he kept with him. And when the people began to rebel, what they did is they asked for a rod from every one of the leaders of the different tribes. And they took those rods and they laid them before the Ark of the Covenant in the house of God. Go ahead and read that real fast. And the Lord
1: spake unto Moses, saying, Speak
0: unto the children
1: of Israel, and take every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers' twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi, for one rod shall be for the the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel whereby they murmur against you
0: okay we can stop there so what he said was I'm going to take take one rod from each one of the tribes lay it before the Ark of the Covenant and I'm going to cause it to bud and that means that's the one that's blessed in the tribe of Levi that's the one that I rest with or that I'm blessing so what I did here is I taped because I can't make a living thing grow from a dead thing I taped a flower onto a dead basically rod so what you have to realize is Aaron's rod was dead amen there was no life in it but God is able to touch a dead thing and make a living thing come from it oh, go ahead and preach right there that's good stuff because what happens is it brought not only forth uh, a plant but the Bible says it oh this one's kind of dying this one is good so what what happened is it not only budded but it blossomed and it had fruit the Bible says Those are types of the different relationships that God has with us. He's our Father, the bud. He's the Son, or Jesus Christ, the bloom, amen? Because the bloom is just the bud revealed. Jesus Christ is the Father revealed, amen? Yeah, Yeah, you can preach with me today. That's all right. (laughs) And then the fruit is what represents the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is what lays into our life, amen? So we need to have a relationship with a God who brings forth new life in our life from the dead things, buds it, and then also we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the revealed Father, amen? Because even though there's different manifestations, it's all one plant, it's all the same thing. So then Jesus Christ is the one that revealed God Almighty, and so we need a relationship with Him in the fact that He is our Savior, our our sacrifice, and then we need to bring forth fruit by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So... You like my rod that Aaron had? So we're going to put that back in the Ark of the Covenant. So there's a couple things you need to know about the Ark of the Covenant. Number one is on top here is where they put the blood of goats that they would sacrifice at the altar, the brazen altar, and that would be out in the courtyard. They would make a sacrifice and they would take that blood and they would take it in once a year for the atonement of the sins of Israel. And all they did was roll their sins forward. So every year they would roll their sins forward. The high priest would go in and he would sprinkle that blood on the altar. Now, this particular angel has some problems because it's not on there, right? So it's leaning back, doing a little bit of a whip. <laughs> and, uh, But really what you need to see is that the angels had wings toward each other and their heads were looking down at the mercy seat where the blood was. This would be a judgment seat had it not been for the blood of Jesus Christ on it, okay? So we got one angel chilling. And we got the other angel that's actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is look down at the blood. So this would be a judgment place had it not been for the priest sprinkling the blood of the lambs or the goats up on the Ark of the Covenant. And the same thing happens whenever we go to God and we get his name applied to our life in baptism. It puts the blood on our life, on our tabernacle, amen? So when the angels look down and see that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, every one of our sins is now underneath that because you have to realize that the pot of manna was because they didn't have enough faith to believe God to provide for their food. The rod that Aaron budded was because of the rebellion that was in the camp. Amen? So every one of the items, the Ten Commandments that got broken, they were in there because, and, and when Moses obviously came down the mountain, they were worshipping idols. Everything that was in the Ark of the Covenant didn't speak of a high moment in Israel's history. It spoke of the things that they were doing that were, where they were walking away from God. But God said, that's okay. I'll put it inside my ark and then I'll cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ and that means that you don't need to go any more any further than the top of the ark and now I'm going to call this the mercy seat because of the blood of Jesus Christ so when we get Jesus Christ applied to our life in baptism his mercy is laid on to our life amen And so his mercy, when God looks down instead of judging us, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ and the angel that would be the death angel in Egypt that passed over and saw the blood applied to the doorposts from the lamb's blood that was sacrificed and they applied it to the doorpost and so the angel would pass over their house and wouldn't take the life of the firstborn. The same angels now look down on your life and see, oh, that's one with mercy, that's one in covenant, that's one who walks with God. I see that they have the right to be in the presence of God. They have the right to go beyond the veil because Jesus was the type of the veil and he tore it from top to bottom when he died. If you read the scriptures, you know that the veil was rent from the top to bottom and it was made of such a fabric that no man could rip it. But had it been ripped from the bottom to the top, we know that someone would say, well, a man could do that. But no man could ever do that when they ripped it from the top to the bottom. God was saying with Jesus' sacrifice everybody's welcome. Everybody can come into my presence. Everybody can have access to the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant will now be in us. Read those last two scriptures I have, Second, First Corinthians, whatever it is, and then read those for me if you would, the last ones. And so I have to finish. I know I'm being long. Thank you for your patience. There's a lot to get to here.
1: First Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Yeah. It says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are.
0: Amen. read the next one that I have there.
1: First Thessalonians four and seven. Yeah. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness.
0: Amen. So we have to understand that our holiness is God in us. That's the only holiness that we can have. Would you stand with me? If there's something that is dead in your life, if you just have God touch it, he'll bring it back to life. I've had friends and I've had people that I've had relationships with that I thought, God, how are you going to bring good out of this? And he has a way of bringing dead things to life. Amen. When there's different stories in the Scripture, when Jesus walked the earth, he was the one that stopped funerals. Amen? If you just get God in the midst of something dead, it'll change everything. If you think your dreams have died, I want to speak to somebody here. If you think your dreams have died, if you've had a relationship that was that's completely over and you think oh, there's nothing that's ever going to come of that, I want you to know if you begin to pray for it and let God's presence show up, he'll bring life to it again. And he'll bring something good out of it that you never could bring out of it yourself. Amen. If there's anybody that would like to bow their heads with me right now, I want to pray that God would let his invisible presence become visible in your life that as the children of israel were people that were known by an invisible god that we would be visibly represented by god that his presence would be so real and so powerful that we could come the bible says boldly to the throne of grace Today, maybe somebody doesn't have a disposition to run to God. Maybe you feel like well God doesn't wouldn't want what I have or maybe you feel like you've made too many mistakes and God would be ashamed of you God's never ashamed of you hear me today God is never ashamed if he put all of those things that would have been ashamed to the people of Israel in the ark of the covenant and then covered it with his blood what more could he do for us when those that was the blood of lambs and goats but the blood of Jesus Christ is much more powerful and able to cover sin what could God do today here if we would just put it under the blood and let God reveal himself as a merciful God in that situation some of you have been through things in life that you've walked through and you've made mistakes or you've had problems or struggles and I want you to know if you're here and that's you God would say that he can touch it and he can change it forever make it new I ask God to bring life that's what I'm asking today I'm asking God to bring life to the places where you have found death And it doesn't mean that there's true death, not true lack of living, but actually spiritual death, where there's things that felt, you felt like were done and over with. You felt like there couldn't be anything left for you there. God's going to make something new come from that. And then I also wanna pray today that God seals somebody and he protects them and he keeps them in Jesus name. Right now, if you have the need in your heart to reach out to God. I want to. I want you to know that God says, when you need to come to me, you're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace. Whenever we were not accessible, when we were not available to God, he still tried to come and knock at our heart's door and say, are you there? I wonder if there's anybody that God's been knocking on your heart's door. He's been trying to reach to you. He's been trying to help you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? And I think that if we could, I'd like to make available the opportunity to pray. But as we bow and pray, would you think of somebody, whether yourself or whether a friend or family member that needs to have God's presence in their life? Jesus, right now I pray a prayer that comes from the bottom of my heart, Lord God. I pray for Amanda who's lost her son, her daughter, and her husband. I pray for people who are dealing with darkness and depression. I pray for people who have had things that I can't even fathom, that I'm so so grateful to be protected by. The Holy Ghost inside me has sealed me within and without. But God, I don't even know necessarily how to reach to them except for to pray. But there's somebody maybe in this room who lost a family member, who who has seen struggles, who has felt things. I want to open the altar. If there's somebody that has a dead thing you you need to take to God would you bring that to him and let him put life back into it there is somebody here that wants their life changed I know there's somebody here that wants their world changed they want their tomorrow to be different than today and I'm reaching for you right now I'm asking God to strike to strike into your heart and reach into you and say you can come you're available you're welcome it's available to you there's somebody that wants of God something greater now.